Hello, Disney fans, and welcome to the show. My name is Austin Terrace, and I'm joined here today by my two wonderful sisters, Kylie. Hi, everybody. And Emma. Hey, everyone. Coming up on this episode of Disney Daydream, a $2.5 billion expansion is coming to Disneyland Paris, a new nighttime show at Epcot is set to debut in October, and a six-year-old who donated his vacation money to help hurricane evacuees is given a VIP trip to Disney World. Later on, we'll talk with a very special guest about what you can expect during your first trip to Disney World. So take a little break in your busy day, and let's start daydreaming. Before we hop into our news stories for today, you can follow us on Instagram at Diz Daydream. Please like us on Facebook at Disney Daydream Podcast. Or if you'd prefer to contact us through email, you can send us an email at DizDaydream at gmail.com. If you missed our most recent episode, we made a very exciting announcement. You can now find Disney Daydream on Patreon. Patreon is a website that allows fans of vloggers, podcasts, musicians, and artists to pledge monthly financial support to their favorite content creators. We do incur many costs to run this show, and we're hoping that Patreon can be a fun tool that allows us to improve the quality of our show and bring you exciting content on a more frequent basis. We're offering some really great perks for joining one of our donation tiers. You'll be given access to a monthly mini episode. You can get personalized shout outs on the show. We'll send you limited edition stickers, and you can even suggest episode topics for us to cover. Our donation tiers start for as low as $3 a month. So we're confident that we have something to offer that fits everyone's budget. And if you really think about it, that's like less than your trip to Starbucks each week. So... Um, If it seems like this is something you'd be interested in, or you'd like to learn more about it, just check us out at patreon.com slash Disney Daydream. Disney Daydream, sorry. We do have actually a few shout outs to give. Um, Our first shout out goes to Roberta from Celine, Michigan. Next, we have Jim from Ypsilanti, Michigan. And finally, John and Tracy from Celine, Michigan. Thank you guys so much. Your donations mean a ton to us, and we're happy to have you as part of our Patreon family. So moving right into our news, Disney announces a $2.5 billion expansion to Disneyland Paris. This expansion will take place between 2020 and 2024. And after announcing this, I just have to admit that I was wrong, or at least partly wrong. A episode or maybe a couple episodes ago, I was talking about how it seemed like Disney would be a lot more hesitant to invest a ton of more money into their theme parks, but apparently not. They're ready to go. They dropped a billion dollars on Galaxy's Edge, and this uh, announcement is more than double that size. So uh, just so you know, outside of the United States, Disney also has theme parks in Paris, Tokyo, Hong Kong, and Shanghai. Disney actually doesn't control the day-to-day operations of all of these theme parks. Shortly after the parks were built, um, other companies purchased controlling interests in Disneyland Paris, Tokyo Disneyland, and Tokyo Disney Sea, and those companies have been operating the resorts ever since. And this type of relationship has actually worked really well for the Tokyo parks. They have a really great reputation of being well-maintained and gorgeous. But Disneyland Paris, it's kind of another situation. For years and years, people were talking about how 
The park was getting a little bit run down, not very well maintained, and the company that actually was running it day to day was called Euro Disney SCA. When the 25th anniversary of the park rolled around in 2017, Disney decided to actually step in and make some changes. They purchased a 95% controlling share, and they spent a massive amount of money on refurbishments. This was called Project Sparkle, and with it, Disneyland Paris saw enhancements to Big Thunder Mountain, Star Tours, Pirates of the Caribbean, Space Mountain, It's a Small World, and entertainment options that included Disney Stars on Parade and Illuminations. And all of these were meant to bring the park back up to Disney standards. Over the next few years, we can expect many, many changes to come to this resort. The first thing opening in the summer of 2020 is Disney's Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel. This hotel is going to celebrate 80 years of Marvel storytelling in a typical New York setting with a contemporary art deco design. The Art of Marvel will also be the first hotel where guests can have heroic encounters with iconic Marvel superheroes in a special location called Superhero Station. In addition to morning meet and greets, guests can um, have unique Marvel photo shoots, uh, such as a collection from Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor's Hammer, and more. Frozen, a musical invitation, is going to open later this year, and it will transport guests to the Kingdom of Arendelle. Here, people will interact with their favorite characters over multiple stages. The first room you go into, guests will sing and learn a dance with Anna Kristoff and Sven. And then in the second room, guests go into the Ice Palace and they sing Let It Go with Elsa. The Frozen Fun continues with an entire land dedicated to the movie, expected to debut in 2022 or 2023. We don't have a ton of details about this land yet, but we do know that guests will have to take a boat ride over to Arendelle, where they will see the iconic snow-capped mountains, and you'll be able to have character encounters. You can go to a gift shop and uh, eat at a restaurant there. And then the first part of the Avengers campus is expected to start operation in 2021 with a reimagined rock and roller coaster featuring Iron Man and other Avengers. An interactive Spider-Man attraction is also expected, and the Avengers campus promises to immerse guests in action-packed adventures via attractions, heroic encounters, and new restaurants. Whew. And finally, to top it all off, Disneyland Paris is also getting a version of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge that will be the final addition to the park in 2024. That was a lot. That is a major change, and honestly, it kind of puts the changes coming to Disney World uh, to shame a little bit. Like, we thought a lot was coming to Disney World, and a lot of really, really cool things are, but this is just almost insanity. Frozen Land, Galaxy's Edge, Marvel, Avengers Campus, a hotel. I, I mean, it's a lot of exciting things. And are you guys surprised at all that they're going after Marvel so hard? I mean, that was, it makes sense to me. That's got to be a huge cash cow and they seem to be investing really hard into it. I think Disney's really disappointed in the fact that their ability to use Marvel characters in Disney World is limited. So they're trying to capitalize that in their other parks because Marvel has such a big fan base and even people who wouldn't typically be... Disney fans or want to go to a Disney park will probably go if they if there are Marvel related rides and places where you can meet Marvel characters. It's kind of getting into a whole different realm, a whole different audience. So I think it's a great investment on Disney's part. I definitely agree with that. I want more Marvel. I want so much Marvel and Disney. I'm excited. I'm pumped for it. And I think it's a really great idea. Yeah, I I think the poor investment here is another Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge cost. And who is going to be like, no, I need to experience Galaxy's Edge at all three locations. 
Like this Avengers campus sounds amazing. Uh, they kind of do as much as they can do out in Disneyland in California with it. But I think this is going to be next level out here in Europe. And I think you're exactly right, Kylie. It can be a huge draw for new people to come in and experience Disney. I just, I was surprised about this because overall, what we've seen so far, Galaxy's Edge is a huge disappointment for them in terms of crowd size, money making at this moment. And maybe that changes when Rise of the Resistance opens, but honestly, I don't have high hopes for that. And even earlier this week, I know we just enjoy kind of looking at wait times and stuff like that, but I've seen wait times in Galaxy's Edge for like less than an hour. I've seen a couple 45 minutes and three, what is it now? A month, I guess. A month after the park opens, that's got to be massively disappointing for them. I think it was a big mistake in the first place to not only open Galaxy's Edge without Rise of the Resistance running, but to have the ride open only a couple months after. For me, the logical thing to do would be to postpone my vacation until Rise of the Resistance is open because I'm not going to go to Galaxy's Edge for the opening and then maybe you can't make it back to Disney World for a year or two and you've missed like the big ticket ride of Galaxy's Edge. So that decision in general kind of threw me for a loop because I totally understand why people aren't going right now. And it's also interesting to me that they're now going to be opening a third. And if it's the exact same layout as Disney World is like a carbon copy of the Disneyland Galaxy's Edge, I mean, there's no urgency to go because you've already seen what you're going to see once you get over to Disneyland Paris if they're going to do the exact same thing again. So it'll be interesting to see if this one is another carbon copy of the original. And I just think it's long overdue to have some massive refurbishment of Disneyland Paris because that has to be such an underutilized market for them. It's super popular for huge Disney fans in the UK to just, I mean, a lot of them enjoy Disneyland Paris, but a large portion of them come and make the trip over to Disney World. So they have to be thinking about that. Like everybody living in the European region, like you would think it would be a bigger cash cow for them. And now maybe after all these improvements, it actually will be. And if they're all completed by 2024, they'll be open in time for the Olympics when that comes around. And I mean, that could make for a very exciting year out there in Paris. What do you guys think of this Art of Marvel resort that's going to be opening? Is that one that draws your attention? I'm going to you first, Emma, because I know you are into Marvel at this moment. <laughs> I'm really excited. I I think it's just such a great opportunity. There are so many different aspects of the Marvel universe that Disney can utilize. And I I'm excited to see their interpretation of um how everything ties together and how they're going to make that into a resort, make that into an interactive guest experience and I think that's going to be absolutely amazing and you already know these meet and greets with Marvel characters are going to be hugely popular and from the concept art that I've seen it does I don't know it sort of has an art deco design but I see a lot of comic book inspired art that's going to be appearing in the rooms and the lobby and all of that so um, I think that'll be a huge draw but Let's move on to your new story for today, Kylie. What new show is coming to Epcot? So Epcot Forever is set to debut on October 1st. Um, Illuminations is the current nighttime spectacular, or I guess the, yeah, the current nighttime spectacular at Epcot. And it has been for the last 20 years, which is pretty crazy, but... The final performance of Illuminations will take place on September 30th, and Epcot Forever will begin for a limited time on October 1st. This new show is going to feature fireworks, music, lighting, lasers, and what I'm most interested in 
are the choreographed special effects kites, which is something we have never seen in a Disney nighttime show before. So I'm really interested to see what all those entail. Um, the Disney Parks blog describes the show as a journey through the past, present, and future of Epcot, featuring a stirring collection of songs that paint a colorful picture of the park with a look towards the future and all the magical possibilities still to come. So essentially, this show seems to be a celebration of Epcot. Um, the park is about to go uh, undergo a huge transformation. So I think Disney's trying to highlight what Epcot used to be and where it's headed in the years to come, which is kind of exciting. The music is supposed to be the true heart of this new show. And I watched a video of one of the test runs and the video is pretty low quality and it was looking at the show through the trees because people weren't allowed into the park to watch the test run. But the musical score uses themes from all over Epcot and even themes that we haven't heard in Epcot for a few years, some themes that have gone away. So it creates a really nostalgic feeling, especially for people who have been going to the parks for years and years and people that love Epcot. You'll notice some elements of Soren, Journey into Imagination, and other popular Epcot sounds in the musical score. So I'm excited about that for a music lover. I know we're always listening to the sounds of Disney World. They have playlists like that where it's just like music from the cues and things like that that aren't crazy like Disney songs that you would recognize. But for me, I'm super excited to hear some of those themes in this show. And it's important to note that this is just a temporary replacement. Disney is continuing to work on their new show, Harmonious, that will become the longtime nighttime spectacular in May of 2020, if everything goes as planned. So I was pretty shocked when I heard that Epcot Forever was going to have such a short runtime, because obviously creating a brand new nighttime show is no simple task. And it's going to be running for less than a year, but it sounds like a lot of the new elements that are coming to Epcot Forever are going to be worked into the new show Harmonious. So I'm thinking that maybe Disney wanted to create something new where they could kind of test out this new technology and get a feel for it before the permanent show comes in May. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, for me, it is all about the music. I mean, that's what I love most about these nighttime spectaculars. And that's one of the reasons why I'll miss Illuminations a lot, because I was always so drawn to the music that comes in the second half of that show. But at the same time, it's like you're you're sad, but excited to see what's to come. And I won't be making it out there to see Epcot forever, but I'm sure I'll be watching many vlogs of it. And if it is all about the music, then I'm sure it would be a show that I love. I just want to know what the heck they're doing with these electronic kites. Like, <laughs> how is that even going to work? I, I'll be excited to see how that actually materializes. Yeah, so in the video that I saw, you could just see the kites flying over the tree line. And there were sections where they looked like sparklers like I don't know oh. if they're actually on fire or what's going on but it looked like a bunch of kite shaped sparklers going through the sky and then there were other sections where they are lit up in different color LED lights and they kind of change color as they fly around and so they look pretty cool I, I it's interesting like just an interesting concept to me but I feel like Disney always has interesting things that I'm like, who thought of that? Yeah, mm -hmm. I never would have thought to create, I don't know, kites. I don't know. Sounds cool, though. I also really like the the concept of the show. Just celebrating Epcot's history, past, and then looking forward into the future. As somebody who really loves Epcot itself, like I'm very interested in the history of the park and... It's something that never really, like, came to be Walt's vision. Like, the vision for an actual, 
like diverse experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Like nobody actually moved into the park and lived in it like an actual society, like was envisioned by Walt. But I think the new changes to Epcot are going to really help to bring that vision to life and becoming more of a community. Like we are all one human race that's sharing this planet together and celebrating those things that that can bring us closer to each other. I think it's a very cool idea and I'm just I'm just over the moon for where this park is going and how it's going to be changed in the in the years to come. Yeah, this show could not have come at a better time. Disney's timing for this was impeccable. Like right after announcing such a huge transformation for Epcot, now we're going to Look back, because there are some people that are really going to miss a lot of the elements of the current Epcot, um, people who aren't thrilled about where it's going. And I think this is kind of a attempt to look back and say, yes, that was great, but look how much better we're going to make it. And I just think that was really smart on Disney's part. But yeah, I'm excited about the Epcot transformation. I think that it's long overdue. And I think it's going to be a great thing for the park. Yeah. Okay, Emma, what is going on with this VIP trip for this six-year-old hero? All right. So six-year-old Jermaine Bell was saving up money to take a trip to Disney World for his seventh birthday. But um, after Hurricane Dorian, he decided to donate all of his money to buy food and water for evacuees. He has helped more than a hundred evacuees since then. And at his seventh birthday, which was September 8th, um, cast members from Disney and Mickey himself came to his party and surprised him with a VIP trip to Disney World, which is absolutely adorable. And I really love how such a selfless action, like, I mean, especially when you're that young, giving up a Disney trip, I can't even imagine thinking to do that, that young. And it's, I really like how he's getting, like, awarded for really being a six-year-old hero. I think it's really cool. Kudos to Jermaine's parents for instilling those values. And from what I understand, this idea was completely his, Mm -hmm. not suggested by his parents, just his own idea. So it's amazing that Disney is doing that in a time where you hear about deals that they're releasing that aren't really deals. In a time where every year the hotel rates are soaring and Tickets to the parks are increasing. It's nice that you hear a good story about them doing something for a kid who really deserves a special trip. Mm-hmm. All right. And on that lovely note, we're going to take a short break and then return to discuss first trip expectations. So stay with us. That topic is coming up next. So today we have a very, very special guest who's joined us on the Disney Daydream podcast. Kylie's husband, Ben, is here. Hello, Ben. What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me. I am super excited to be here and can't wait to dive into it with you. So Ben joined us on a Disney trip with our family that we went on for my high school graduation. This was in the summer of 2015, and this trip was epic. It was definitely our biggest Disney vacation yet. We were there for 10 days. We stayed in the Animal Kingdom Lodge and we did every park, both the water parks, Universal, Magic Kingdom twice. So this was a huge trip and it was Ben's first time. 
And just to remind you, that trip was feasible because, yes, we rented Disney Vacation Club points. So check out episode three if you want to hear more about that. But (laughs) uh, we want Disney Daydream to be a show that can appeal both to those seasoned Disney pros and to people who haven't been to the parks at all. So we thought this was a very important topic to cover because a lot of people nowadays are taking their first trip to Disney as an adult. Most people didn't grow up in a family that was interested in or able to go every year or every other year. And when you take your first trip later in life, it's a little bit different. It's important to know how to manage your expectations. Even if you haven't been to Disney, you know about Disney. You probably have some preconceived notions about Disney. They themselves call it the happiest place on earth. So if you walk in there with the mindset of everything's going to go my way, I'll be able to do every ride and see everything that I want to see, then I'm sorry, but you're probably going to leave disappointed. Disney is not something you can do in one trip, no matter how long you're staying. And although there are great research tools out there that you can use before you go, it's kind of a trial and error process. So Ben, before we went on this trip, did you actually end up doing any type of preparation, reading anything, watching anything, or did you just dive in and go along with the ride? So now that I'm a little bit more well-versed in Disney, uh, I understand that people do podcasts and there are vloggers that are pretty much committed only to Disney. At that time, that wasn't something I was aware of. So I was going into it basically with whatever Kylie had to tell me. Um, she kind of gave me updates on what we might be doing and the different rides that she was really excited about. So that was the majority of my preparation was just talking with Kylie about what she was excited about. Gotcha. So before you went, did you have any of those preconceived notions? Like, were there any major expectations that you had or, um, ideas about what the trip was going to be like, or did you really just not know what to expect? Yeah, so I think anytime that you think about Disney, you have this idea in your head of this magical place that's perfect. Um, And that's kind of what a lot of people go into Disney with the mindset of. Now, me personally, I wasn't a super Disney fan. So I wasn't someone who was necessarily super excited about going to Disney. I was more excited to be going on vacation in general and spending time with Uh, the people that I was going to be on vacation with. Mm -hmm. So those were the elements that I found myself being more excited about necessarily than the Disney specific elements at the time. Okay. And what do you think you were actually most excited to do or see before we went on the trip? Yeah. And for me, I am a huge movie fan. So I always thought that Hollywood studios would be what I would be most excited to experience Um, You know, I spend lots and lots of time just watching movies from all sorts of different genres and different categories. Uh, So the name Hollywood Studios certainly piqued my interest uh, a bit more than what some of the other ones did. At the time, I was about a 19-year-old person, I think. That's probably about right. I was about 19. So a lot of the Disney things felt kind of young to me, or at least in my brain, they seemed like a younger audience would be appealed to them. So for me, as a 19-year-old guy who felt a little bit too cool to be going to Disney, if I'm completely honest, uh, Hollywood Studios felt in my brain like something that was a bit older, maybe, uh, that I was excited about. Yeah, I remember you being just absolutely shocked when I said that we were going for 10 days. You were like, how are we going to have enough to do like 10 days is a very long vacation and it definitely is but you were super skeptical that we would be entertained for 10 days in Disney yeah and to give the listeners a little bit of background my family when we vacation and we have that opportunity to go and spend time together away as a family we generally do beach vacations So the majority of our time is kind of spent in a beach town somewhere, usually in Florida, because that's where my grandparents live. Uh, So that's kind of what I'm used to in terms of vacation. So I'm used to the beach days and spending time uh, just really with family in a relaxed environment. So when Kylie said that we were going to Disney for 10 days, 
uh, I was a bit taken aback. I was excited, but at the same time, uh, worried that it was going to be too much Disney. Well, that's an, a really important thing to bring up because Disney is not the layout on a beach type of trip. It can be, don't get me wrong. There, You could go have a resort stay. You could chill. You could go to the spa. But if it's your first time and you're trying to see everything and do a lot of the rides and go to the, all the theme parks, then it's a much, it's a much different vacation than going uh, to the beach and kind of laying out for, for a few days. So, Ben, do you think we adequately prepared you for what <laughs> the physical demands of the Disney trip would be? Uh, at the time, I was a Fitbit wearer. So at the end of each day, I thought it was really fun to look at the amount of steps and miles that we did during the day, uh, just because, you know, you're doing maybe five or 10 miles by the time that you walk through the park in a day. Uh, So I really didn't know exactly what we'd be doing. You guys tried to prepare me and say, hey, just so you know, our family gets crazy about this. Like we love to hit as much as we can. Uh, Occasionally we'll run through the park, those sorts of things. Uh, But I don't think it was really something that I could fully comprehend until I experienced it myself. (laughs) and you mentioned your love for movies and I actually think you going into it is not so much of a hardcore Disney fan might actually have been a good thing because maybe the expectations on what you wanted to do and accomplish were a little bit lower than somebody who had been building this trip up in their mind for years and years um but with that said did that mean that Hollywood Studios was the park you were looking forward to most? And if so, did that actually end up being your favorite park? Yeah, so it was really interesting because I felt I really enjoyed Hollywood Studios. Uh, Tower of Terror was probably one of my favorite rides uh, out of all we did. Uh, And I remember we stayed on a resort, so we kind of got to do the extra hours at the end of the night. And we just kind of got to continue to walk on Tower of Terror like ride after ride after ride, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we did that four times, I think. (laughs) It was pretty epic. So that's certainly one memory that sticks out, uh, you know, throughout the 10 days that really sticks in my brain. Uh, But when I look back on it, Hollywood Studios wasn't my favorite park. Uh, And it was really the opposite of what I expected, because I felt like I was a little too old to be going to Disney, but my favorite park ended up being the Magic Kingdom, which... You know, whether you agree with me or not, it it services a lot of the younger audience, I think. I think there's a lot of rides that are geared towards the younger, um, you know, generations, if you will. But for me specifically, uh, I grew up watching Disney movies. That was just a part of the culture that I grew up in. Uh, So getting to experience those childhood memories again of Winnie the Pooh or, um, you know, anything that was at the Magic Kingdom that made me kind of reminisce on my own childhood... Uh, that ended up being the park that I enjoyed the most, which surprised me. That's a good point. I would agree in saying they're much more uh, childhood-friendly attractions, but it's the best park at tapping into that nostalgia. So I think that's Mm -hmm. why it's a frequent favorite, because so many people love going back to relive those memories at Magic Kingdom. Yeah, like part of the charm of Magic Kingdom is feeling like you're a little kid again. It's absolutely amazing. And I think that's why it's such a popular park and why it's typically everyone's favorite. You can't help but smile, too, as you walk down Main Street towards the castle. I think no matter how old you are, it's just, it feels, as cliche as it sounds, it feels magical as you're Mm -hmm. walking through this park that doesn't feel like it should exist in the real world (laughs) it's so yeah I think it's a lot of people's favorite for that reason Mm -hmm. what did you end up thinking about uh the entertainment and the shows that happened at Disney World like um at that time it would have been wishes I know we did phantasmic um I'm not sure if there was a there was still a nighttime parade at Magic Kingdom when we went I don't know if they had canceled that by that point but Um, I know we ended up probably seeing Finding Nemo, the musical, and what, what did you think about the shows overall? Yeah, so, uh, my love for musicals is directly related to my relationship with Kylie. So, 
shows and, and me sure and my awesome sister-in-law emma uh, but i definitely grew up in the sports playing kind of household and not necessarily the choir singing and uh, show performing kind of household so for me um when I first met Kylie about eight years ago, I really started to invest more time in shows and really uh, see the value of musicals and those sorts of activities. Um, so Disney, from my perspective, an amateur who knows very little about music theory, very little about performing, uh, I thought it was fantastic. Again, it's kind of hard to separate the nostalgia goggles from, you know, the experiences that I had. So a lot of the shows that we got to watch were directly related to some of the movies I grew, grew up watching. On and then the, that, the Lion King, which is your mm-hmm. favorite Disney movie. Is that right? Yeah. So okay. that's probably a pretty safe bet if we're not including Marvel films. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Marvel nerd, I guess you would call me. So outside of the Marvel movies, uh, Lion King is definitely probably number one. Uh, but in terms of like even the fireworks shows, one of my favorite memories was when we got to go on the terrace at Magic Kingdom and they had the mm-hmm. dessert bar and we just got to watch the fireworks from that specific location. So again, maybe it's just my enjoyment of a more relaxing vacation, but getting to sit down and just look at the fireworks uh, at the end of the day after running around all day was really, really fun. So I think the shows give you a nice balance of running around the park And then you get to sit and watch a show and just kind of relax. One of the reasons I think we go on vacation is to find some form of escapism. So we go away to get away from our everyday life. And I think the shows at Disney really add to that aspect of trying to just be fully immersed where you are. Um, And those shows really bring it together, I think. And that dessert buffet would be something I would recommend to any first-time Disney traveler. Because let me tell you, nowadays, you might sit out at your spot for the fireworks an hour, hour and a half before it goes off. And then you never know, someone might just step right in front of you when it starts Mm -hmm. going. And being at that dessert buffet over at the Terrace or nowadays, the last trip we went, they moved that over to... um, some like the secluded lawn area where we still had a really nice view, but it's just, it's fun to have a few desserts in the evening and to go out into your own area where you have an unobstructed view of, um, happily ever after now. It's a great addition to your trip. And the wait times for rides go down significantly. The closer you get to those nighttime shows because people are trying to get their spots. So if you can, be riding rides and doing stuff right up until it's time to head over to your designated spot for the fireworks. It can save you a lot of time and you can really get a lot of stuff done uh, in those in that hour, maybe before the fireworks. Austin, I thought it was funny when you talked or mentioned just about someone stepping in front of you during fireworks, uh, because I remember specifically during that trip, there was one time that we were at a fireworks show and I can't specifically remember which park it was at. But I was sitting on the grass waiting for the fireworks to start. And then probably four kids between the age of six and 12 came and stood right in front of me where I was sitting. And because there were people on all sides of me, like it wasn't easy to stand up during the fireworks show. And I didn't want to stand up and block the people that were sitting behind me. Uh, But I'm not the type of person who's going to yell at, you know, 12 year olds to like move out of the way. So (laughs) it was just a funny memory that sticks in my brain of these kids that are just kind of enjoying the fireworks, but I was just watching, staring at the back of their heads. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's, yeah, it's a little more forgivable when it's a bunch of kids trying to see, but man, some adults get in front of you. You just gotta be like, no way. Uh, I've been here for <laughs> an hour now. Get out of my way. Um, but overall, what were the parts of the trip that ended up exceeding your expectations? So I think, Several things. The first thing, again, mentioning the escapism aspect of it, Disney has mastered the art of making you feel like you're somewhere else. Uh, So from the moment you step onto Disney's properties, you feel like you are no longer in Florida necessarily, but you are in Disney World. Um, And I really enjoyed that immersive aspect of everything at Disney. No matter where you were, 
the theming of everything, the detail that went into the rides and even the lines for the rides, like you were just completely immersed in that experience. So that was one thing that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, another thing that I really thought was uh, enjoyable was just the cleanliness of the whole Disney parks, uh, whether it's the bathrooms or just the streets or the sidewalks that you're walking on. Everything felt clean. And I'm kind of a germaphobe. So most people who know me know that I just I don't like germs. I don't like uh, when things aren't uh, clean. So Disney being clean was a huge plus for me. And they, you know, A++ on that one. Uh, you know, we stayed on, uh, what was it called? The Animal Kingdom Lodge. Animal Kingdom Lodge. And if you have the opportunity to stay on the Disney Resort itself, one of those, the extra hours that you get, um, the rooms were incredible. The buses right from the hotel to the Disney parks. I felt like that whole setup really exceeded my expectations. I loved being able to, uh, you know, even go home at night and still feel like you were at Disney, which was really cool. Um, and then the, the last thing that I had was just our fireworks show that we got to watch from the terrace. I know we mentioned that already a little bit, but that whole experience just felt like a nice culmination of the trip. So that was awesome. Yeah. And I think this was, this was everybody's first time staying at a deluxe villa resort. And I think everybody was absolutely blown away by the animal kingdom lodge being right on the Savannah. It is gorgeous. It is beautifully themed. It is completely immersive. And the room we had was just top notch. And I mean, I still frequently think about that resort and our experience there to this day. And one note just on the affordability of it. How many people did we squeeze in the two rooms? Oh my gosh. Well, did we have eight? Do we have? We had. <laughs> it was it was a two bedroom. Um, nine people. Nine people. Yeah. yeah so it was comfortable too. Yeah, we yeah. felt like nine was pretty comfortable in terms of numbers. But if you are thinking about that, just maybe think about squeezing in a little bit because that will help with prices. Mm-hmm. And because it is very important, let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. Were there any disappointing parts of the trip or elements that did not really live up to your expectations? Yeah, there were certainly a couple things that stuck out in my mind after walking away from a 10-day Disney trip. Uh, and, you know, again, some of these are things that Disney can't necessarily control, uh, but some things are. So the first thing that I really thought about was the crowd management. Uh the bus ride always felt like you were just kind of sitting on top of other people. And then some of the line queues were outside under the direct sunlight, and it just didn't feel like it was well thought through occasionally. Uh, for me, it felt really easy to pick out which were the lines that were new and which were the lines or the queues or whatever you want to call them that had been there for years and years and years. Uh, because of the effort and resources that went into making them more of a place that you'd want to be waiting in. So the overall crowd management, I mean, if you go to Disney, it's just a realistic expectation that you have to deal with crowds. Uh, but for me, standing in line waiting for the bus or being squished on the bus or uh, standing in a hotline for a ride that maybe was a five-minute ride, but you're waiting in line for 60 minutes, those crowd management things really kind of... Uh, Again, something that you have to understand going into Disney you're going to experience, but at the same time was something that I would love to see a little bit. Yeah, the one that stands out in my mind was our wait for Rock and Roller Coaster oh on this gosh. trip. If you guys remember, we got in yeah. line and it said like 30 minutes, but I think the entire park saw that the line was 30 minutes, so they jumped in at the same time. And we waited in that line for like two hours. And it was so hot that day. And yeah, if you're not prepared for situations like that, that could really put a damper on your day. Or even if you're not prepared for how to deal with super long wait times, because you're going to run into those. Like we pulled out our heads up app and we're playing games in line to kind of help pass the time. But if you're Disney just, play. yeah, if you're just like standing there staring at the back of, people's heads it's gonna really put a damper on your vacation yeah and the second point that I had just in terms of expectations that weren't necessarily met and again Disney can't control this too much was just the heat 
So what month? Do you guys remember when we went? July. Was it July? July. Mm-hmm. So you know going to Disney in July, you're going to experience heat. That's just you know what you're going to run into. Uh, but we had many fans. I remember there's a really funny story with Emma. I don't know if you guys have ever told that on the podcast before, but on she the, had a mini fan. On the bus? Yes. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to bring this up when you were talking about the buses. They get a little crazy. So I was sitting on the bus next to this really nice lady. She had a baby um, that was sitting in her lap. And I was just talking to this lady. I don't remember what we were talking about. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and this, like, this toddler, no, less than a toddler, like, it was a baby, like, ate (laughs) part of my fan, like, it was a... It was the blade off of the fan, so it was kind of like a They were foam. Yeah, Yeah, it was like a foam (laughs) blade off of the fan, and I looked down, and I, I, I didn't know what to do, so I was just like, oh, you're... Baby's eating my fan. <laughs> it w- it was a really interesting experience, but it was fun. Yeah. Was so again, you know, the heat. I mean, you're gonna deal with it. But for me, I'm a normally just a hot person in general. Uh, and when you go to Disney, you're waiting in lines and you're doing all these sorts of things. Emma's giggling because I called myself hot. But uh, <laughs> again, the heat was just something that I wasn't necessarily excited about. Last thing for just not so met expectations was the water parks. And I don't know if this is fair because I'm not a big fan of water parks in general, but I didn't feel like there was a ton that I enjoyed doing at the water parks. There was one crazy high slide. I think it's called the Summit Plummet. Does that mm-hmm. sound right? Yep. That was one of the things that really sticks out to me about the water parks that I enjoyed. Outside of that, it felt like we were rushing to get an umbrella and then trying to save our seats and hoping like our stuff wasn't getting taken while we we're going on rides. I just, I'm not a water park person, so Disney water parks weren't any better for me than just a normal water park, if you're debating whether a water park is worth your time or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you just have to have, you have to go into your trip knowing that the heat's going to be insane, especially if you're going during the summer, and you got to be prepared for those lines, because some of them are going to be longer than advertised, although Disney tries to do a pretty good job about that. And I think they have massively improved a lot of the queues over the last few years and made them more um, in the shade, cool to look at, or interactive. So I think that's been a major improvement that they've done over the last few years and will continue to do in the future. But in terms of coming back, are you interested in taking another Disney trip? And if so... What would you change about your next one? So certainly interested in going back to Disney. I think, you know, after you've experienced it once, there's so many things that want to draw you back into coming again. Uh, And you guys spoke earlier about not being able to do Disney in just one trip. And that's just so true. Uh, I look at some of the things that Disney's just added over the last couple months and will add over the next few months. uh, And there's just so much that they continue to add that draws me in personally Uh, Now, I have gone on two Disney cruises with my family specifically, and I love the Disney cruises. So, you know, for me, it becomes a question of, do I want to go on a Disney cruise or would I rather go to the Disney parks? Uh, So that's kind of the balancing act I have to struggle with specifically just because I don't have a ton of extra money to go on vacations with. Um, But I would certainly love to go back to the Disney parks. I know that we have a trip planned coming up you know, in a year and a half or so. Um, But for me, and you asked about doing things differently, I am the type of person that would probably like to do two days of Disney in a 10-day trip versus, you know, eight days of Disney and two off days. And I know I'm getting dirty looks around the room right now. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, for me personally, and again, I loved my Disney trip. I absolutely loved the experience. You know, 90% of what we did was awesome. But again, you know, I think going to Disney for a day and then taking a couple days to go to the beach and then maybe going back to Disney and experiencing a different part of the park, I would almost rather do that every single year and do a couple days every year versus waiting three or four years between the trips and doing like a 10 day trip. So that's kind of my thoughts, you know, uh, in terms of what I would do differently, maybe not try to push everything we want to do in eight days, maybe spread the trip over two years and take two different weeks where we go down to Florida 
and spend some time in Disney while also doing things outside of Disney. I hope you know on our next trip, we're doing everything we want to do in eight days, though. So just be prepared for that. <laughs> Trust me, I've got my conditioning uh, already planned before we go down. So I am well, well aware of what the plan is. I think as I age and get a little bit older, I become more and more interested in doing a longer resort stay in less go, go, go in the parks, even though there's a ton that I obviously always want to do and see. But it, it is possible to actually have a relaxing Disney vacation. If you're okay with if you're okay with not doing everything all the time when you go down there, there are incredible resorts that you can hang out in. There is a fantastic Disney Springs area with a lot of incredible restaurants and entertainment options as well as the boardwalk. And uh, there's just actually a lot more for adults than I think people realize. I think the resort stay itself is a vacation. I mean, you can, if you didn't want to go to the parks at all, you could go to a Disney resort and be entertained for a week. Not a problem with all the things they have to offer. So yeah, like Austin said, there's definitely options for people who want that relaxation aspect on their trip. Well, I think even one thing that I would have liked to spend more time doing is going to uh, downtown Disney or Disney Springs. Sorry, Disney Springs. At the time, (laughs) it was downtown Disney. (laughs) Um, And then I don't know what the boardwalk is technically a part of. Is that? That was when. We did go there. We Mm -hmm. took that picture by the sunset. Sure. Is that a part of downtown Disney or what is that? No, it's part of a resort. Is it part of a resort? So I really enjoyed that space. So those sorts of things I would certainly enjoy doing more of. Yeah, so just a couple takeaways. Be sure to manage those expectations. You know, try to cater your trip to your own needs or your family's needs. And just be cognizant that you're not going to be able to do everything. And just try to hit the things that are really, really important to you. And if you try to over plan, then you leave some more room for disappointment. There might be things that are broken down. Not everything can go your way. It's tough dealing with the weather. You never know what's going to happen in Florida. So just as much as you can attempt to have some flexibility when you're going down there. So thank you, Ben, for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you. Guys, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, if you ever want to do a Marvel only episode, like call me back because I'd love to join in (laughs) on that conversation. Sounds good. Just a reminder, please consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Disney Daydream. We'd love to be able to take the show up to the next level, and we're looking forward to interacting with you and starting this online Disney community. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of Disney Daydream. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join us for the next one. Remember, be kind to one another and take the time to find a magical moment in each and every day.